Alright, uh, Luke chapter 6, which means we're making progress, because we were in Luke chapter 5 for a long time. Luke chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 1, asking for the Lord's wisdom as we read and we study his word. It says this, it says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, uh, he went into the synagogue, and he was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and he stood there, and then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all, and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was completely restored. But they were furious, and they began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. I just have three things I want to share with you uh, this morning about this, um, this thing called Sabbath. And here's the first. I want you to understand, according to our text, that the Sabbath is subject to Jesus. The Sabbath is subject to Jesus. And, and we have to understand, like Luke's purpose in writing, uh, I, a lot of people, when I talk about the Sabbath, they have questions. Well, well, is it okay to go out to eat on Sunday? Is that, like, that's not Luke's intent in writing, okay? So he's actually not writing this to tell you how you should observe the Sabbath or, or what laws you should keep on the Lord's Day. It's just not the purpose, so you can't find it here. I can't magically dig that out of the text for you and try to make it applicable. Uh, Luke's purpose in writing is about the divinity of Jesus, right? So we go back to the beginning, and Luke is writing the rescue plan. That's, that's, that's what the gospel is. And so, so the whole point, he, he goes all the way back and he's, he's telling us about John the Baptist who's preparing the way for whom? The rescuer, the, the Messiah, the, the redeemer, because redemption is here. It's no longer a long way off. The kingdom is not just coming, the kingdom has arrived. It's already and it's not yet, right? And so Luke is introducing us into this theme about this redeemer, about this Messiah, about this rescuer. And, and, and here we are, here we find ourselves and, and, and he's writing to say, Jesus is that guy. Jesus is that rescuer. Jesus is the Messiah. So, so his focus is one simple fact. Jesus is Lord of everything, including the Sabbath. This is about Christ's divinity. This is about his nature. This is about his identity. That's why Luke's writing. So we can't make it mean something it doesn't. And so, so, so we start here, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And this is a sore subject for the Pharisees, right? Because the Sabbath is their deal, 
Like, like this is the area that they teach on the most. In fact, if you went and you looked at their teachings, Sabbath rules, this is where they camped out. This is where Jesus has most of the conflict. They love the Sabbath, so much so that they created a set of oral traditions. They later wrote them down. It's called the Mishnah. And, and basically, they created 39 categories of ways that you could break the Sabbath. Of uh, 39 categories of forbidden work, each category had subcategories. It's like some scholars said there were hundreds of subcategories. And so you've got to understand this. So when Jesus is walking through the fields with his disciples, and they grab some grain, and they rub it in their hands, and they pop a little snack, and they drop the trash, like at that moment, th- th- there are Pharisees there, and they freak out. Like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Don't you know it's the Sabbath? And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm God, kind of know what's going on, right? It's the Sabbath, like I got that. He's like, what? what? How, how are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? This is unlawful. Now, and and you've got to see, according to their law, by plucking the grain, they were breaking uh, the category of law known as reaping. By rubbing it in their hand, they're breaking the categories of law that had to do with threshing. When they, when they drop the husk, they're, they're, they're guilty of breaking the categories of law that had to do with winnowing. As they eat the food, uh, they could be guilty of a couple categories. They could be guilty of breaking the laws about selecting or breaking the laws about food preparation, you name it. So in one little snack, Jesus and his disciples, according to their law, break at least four or five categories of law. Each category has several laws uh, there within it. I wonder how many laws the Pharisees were breaking, by the way, in their little undercover sting operation. And so the Pharisees, they asked, much like they did last week. Remember what they asked last week at, at, at Matthew's house? Like, like why don't you fast? Their question last week is, why aren't you like us? And, and that's what they're asking again. Why, why, are you do, why aren't you guys like us? Why, why, why do you do these things? Why, why, don't, why don't you obey the laws that we obey? Why don't you just act like we act? And Jesus answers them with a story about David, the great king of Israel. And, and that story is found in 1 Samuel 21. I'm not going to ask you to go there. But Jesus just summarized it. He says, listen, did, don't you know about David, the, the great king of Israel, whom you lift up? Remember, the Messiah is going to come from the line of David, the son of David, who David calls uh, master, by the way. And, 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 and so, so here, here's the deal. He says, listen, don't you remember? David had been anointed king of Israel. But Saul was still on the throne. Saul was, was, was hunting after David, wanted to kill him. And, and so David goes to Nob. He doesn't mention Nob, but he goes to Nob. And he goes to the tabernacle. And he goes in and he gets bread that is only meant for priests, like consecrated bread. And, and he eats it and he gives it to all of his friends. And so Jesus is going like, listen, your, your king David did this. And, and, and here's the deal. And scripture says it was okay because he was the true king of Israel. This is what Jesus intends. This is what Jesus means. This is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, it was okay for David because he was the king, the true king of Israel. Okay. Now, by the way, there's some similarities here in the stories. Did you notice? So David is, is he's been anointed king, but he's not yet on his throne. He's walking around with his band of, of, of followers and he's hungry. So here's Jesus. He's been anointed as king, but he's not yet on his throne. He's walking around with his band of followers and he's hungry. Just kind of interesting. Jesus is going, listen. But, but this is what Jesus claims. It, it, it's like shocking. He says, David could eat the consecrated bread because he was the king of Israel. But we can eat the grain on the Sabbath because I am the king of David. That's me. 
Like, like David was the king of Israel, but, but I am the king of that king. I am the king of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. I have all authority on heaven and earth. And check this out. Listen, your little man-made laws about the Sabbath don't rule over me. I rule over them. The Sabbath is subject to me because I am Lord of lords and king of kings. That's, that, that's the heart of his argument. And listen, that's got massive repercussions for you and I when we get to our application section, okay? Number two. The Sabbath is meant for mercy. The Sabbath is meant for mercy. I'm going to read 6 through 11 again. It says, On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue, and he was teaching a man uh, was there whose right hand had been shriveled. Now, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were, get this, they were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They're not looking at the man, they don't really care about the man. Their, their whole purpose is they were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. Uh, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Another sting operation. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said to the man with a shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and he stood there. And then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all, and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But they were furious, and they began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Now, here's the heart of the disagreement between Jesus and the Pharisees all throughout the Gospels. The greatest disagreement they will have is over the Sabbath. And they're not fighting about whether or not the Jews understand what the Sabbath is about or, or if their, their uh, interpretation of the law is too narrow. Here's Christ's claim. He's like, you don't even get it. it it's not that you misunderstand or, or that you're too strict in your interpretation. Like Jesus' claim against them is, is you're not even close you don't understand the thing that you teach about all the time. You're clueless. Now, now I was reading, uh, I, I'm reading in my gospel plan, I'm reading through uh, the message because I, I teach out of the NIV and I study out of the NIV and I thought, well, it would just be nice to kind of have a di- different um, you know, version to go through. And so I've been reading out of the message. I was in Matthew uh, 22, if you read, um, or Matthew 22 and 23. If you read Matthew 22, it's the greatest commandment. And they come to and say, you know, Lord, what's the greatest commandment, teacher? What's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is next, uh, like it, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's 22. Well, you, you get to 23, and all of a sudden, Jesus is just letting loose on the Pharisees in 23. I mean, boom, you brood of vipers, you brood of vipers. You, you guys are, are clueless. You don't get it. And, and so in the message, I love what it says. It says this. It says, you guys are focused on, on commas and periods and semicolons, but you're actually writing the whole wrong story. Whoo! And, and that's what's going on in our, our, our text. These guys, are, they're focused on all the stuff that doesn't matter. They're focused on the periods and the semicolons. And they're, they're focused on punctuation, but they don't even have the heart of the story right. That's, that's what Jesus is saying about the Sabbath. He's like, you don't even get it. And Mark lets us into this in his account of this, okay? And just follow this with me. Mark two twenty-seven and 28. Then Jesus says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord of even the Sabbath. And this is the heart of what Luke is trying to say. So, so, so Luke, the whole second story, he provides as evidence that the Pharisees don't understand the heart of the Sabbath. 
that they've totally missed the mark. And so the whole next story is like, see, look how much they've missed the mark. And so he starts out and says, there's a man and his right hand was shriveled. Now that doesn't mean anything to you and I other than think his hands, you know, shriveled, but, but it's his right hand. And according to Jews, that is the hand of anointing. And that is the hand of blessing, right? That is the hand of authority. That, that is the hand of strength. And, and, and that, is, that, that hand is cursed. There's, there's no blessing. There's no authority. There's no strength. Like none of that's here. And, and the Pharisees are cool with that. They don't, don't care. Like that's not what they're worried about. Instead, they are focused on Jesus and whether or not he's going to help this guy. Just see how wayward their hearts are. They're just like, oh, let's see. Is he going to, oh, he's calling the guy to him. Oh, we're about to get him. We're about to. You have to see, you have to see how evil their hearts are. It's the contrast between the Pharisees who are writing the wrong story and Jesus who's telling us the true story. And, and, and that's what's going on. The Pharisees don't care. They just want to catch Jesus breaking the law. And here Jesus comes and he says, guys, I hate to break it to you, but you don't even know the true law. You don't even know the story. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. And he goes on to to do this great act of mercy. So I want to show you this morning that indeed the Sabbath is a gift of mercy to mankind. So to do that, I need you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Okay? You can keep a finger there in Luke 6. We'll be back. But Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 17. And, and this is uh, the fall of man. And uh, Adam and Eve have just sinned. And, and so what's going to happen, of course, is that they're going to be kicked out of the garden. Uh, they, this is where death enters the world. They will no longer have access to eternal life at this point. So, so there's great consequence to the sin is death. But here's the deal. As Christians, guys, sometimes we think that's the only consequence to sin. Well, well, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, the wages of sin is death. Yes, but, but sin actually has more wages than just death. So I want you to read the consequences of, of their sin. Verse 17, it says, To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree of which I commanded you. By, by the way, hold on, this is important. I said this in the first service. Men, this is not a prescription to ignore your wives, okay? Like, that's not... It's not what's, that's not going to be good for your marriage to be like, well, Adam listened and look how that worked out, okay? Because for you, it's probably not going to work. Like, you do want to listen to your wives. I'm just, I'm just saying. So uh, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree, about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Get this. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. Uh, So the consequence of Adam's sin is labor. Is, is, Is difficult labor. How many days of his life for difficult labor? All. Not six days. Every single day, Adam, as a result of your sin, Adam, you will work your tail off, Adam, because you didn't think I was a good enough provider, Adam. So now, Adam, why don't you go out and start providing for yourself? Every single day, you'll wake up and you'll work till your bones are weary, and that's what you'll get to eat, and no more, Adam. 
Right? That, that's, that's the me- this is the consequence of a sin. But I need you to see this. This is huge. God is merciful. And though we have sinned, and though we deserve to work every single day of our lives, God says, listen, I'm merciful. I'm gracious. I'm going to give you one day. I'm going to give you one day every single week where you can just stop, where you can catch your breath, where you can rest from all of your work. One day where where God would allow us to run to Him, where, where we could all take refuge in Him, where all of the weary and the worn out could, could run and, 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 and get away from the work and that they could be renewed by God who can make us new, who can give us new energy and a fresh start, who can renew our strength, who can lift us up so we can fly on wings like eagles. And this is what Sabbath is all about. It, it, it's, a, it's a gift. This is the purpose of Sabbath. M- the mercy of God on display for all to see. And the point of this is that mercy is not just permitted. Mercy indeed is the point of Sabbath. It's the point. The Sabbath was created for the sake of mercy. So yeah, mercy is allowed because when we are merciful, we paint a picture of how God responds unto us. He's given us a day of mercy. So yes, mercy is always okay on this day. A gift of God on display, his mercy. We get a break from all the consequences of our sin. The Sabbath is meant for mercy. Last thing I'll share with you and we'll be done. Um, I have to confess, there are points like every Sunday um, that I don't typically want to preach. Um, this is one of them. This is one that makes me uncomfortable because I'm like, oh, come on, Lord, you got to cut me some slack. And he's like, nope, there's no slack here. So uh, I'll, I'll tell you in advance, this, is, this one's going to sting a little, um, but it's there and, and we need to talk about it. And so here it is. I want you to see that when it comes to helping others, choosing to do nothing is the same thing as choosing to do evil. Yikes. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9, Luke chapter 6, verse 9. And Jesus says to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? Small verse, huge repercussions. According to Jesus, there is no neutrality. Right? It's not to do good or to do nothing or to do evil. There's no middle ground. With you. Either you do good or you do nothing, which is in turn doing evil. That's it. There's no neutrality here. When it comes to loving people and helping people and showing mercy, when it comes to doing ministry, which is meeting needs with love, the, the point that Jesus makes is either we do good or we do evil. There is no in-between. And I just need you to hear this prayerfully. Listen, God loves people. God loves people. He loves it. That's why you're here. Because God loves you. Because God is a lover of people. That's why we exist. That's why we're living and breathing. That's why we're in in his house this morning. Because God loves people. And and, and God, uh, because he loves people, 
because he chose people above all creation, because he chose mankind to save, because people are important to God. Because of all that, people must be important to us because they're important to God. That's why it's the second greatest commandment in all the Bible. Love your neighbor, love people. And because of this fact, because of this truth that God is a lover of people, and because we are called to be like God, remember we were made in his image. Because of all those things, we too have to be lovers of people. And when we choose not to love people, listen to me, when we choose not to love people, we are actually choosing to not be like God. And God is good, right? I mean, we say it all the time. We've got the Christian slogan, God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. Yes, he is, because he's God. And when you choose to not do something to help others, you willfully choose to not do good. Wow. Just let that sink in for a moment. This is what James is writing about in James 4.17. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. If we know that we're supposed to love people, and we know that loving people involves helping people, and we have a genuine opportunity to help people, and we make excuses about helping people, and, and, and choose to do nothing, we are sinning. We're sinning. That's it. That's the truth of our text. When we're unmerciful, we are unlike our merciful God. When we see a need, we can either do something which God says are good, is good, or we can do nothing which God says is evil. I've never seen it that black or white until this week, until this study. I tried my best not to preach it. But it's the truth. Just let that sink in for a little bit, okay? And that'll have something to do with our application. So let's talk about application. So our first point this morning was the fact that the Sabbath is subject to Jesus. That was our first point. The Sabbath is subject to Jesus. Jesus is Lord of all. So the Sabbath, all the rules are actually subject to Jesus, which leads me just to this question. Maybe it would have been a better question. Ask yourself this. Is my Sabbath subject to Jesus? Is it? Like, like, literally, Lord, like, he's the Lord of, of, of the Sabbath. And, and, and uh, I, I know the Pharisees had their own set of rules and regulations and things that they did. And you know what? Not, not that ours are religious, but we, too, have our own set of things that we like to do on Sunday, right? Just got to get in my Sunday nap. Got to do it. It's Sunday. And hey, it's a day of rest. That's cool. You want to take a nap? I've got to watch some football. I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch some football. Oh, that's my mowing the yard day. Can I have our list of things? Listen, I don't know what your list of things are, but I just, I would ask, could you take your list of things on Sunday and just in prayer, take them to Jesus and say, Jesus, do these things glorify you? And, 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 and clearly it's a day of mercy. And so it's okay to rest on the Sabbath. You should be, okay? But, but just do these things glorify you? Am I doing what you've called me to do? Is, is my Sabbath actually subject to you? Let me, let me be honest with you, and I, I love you, and I know, but um, for a lot of people in our culture today, church is like an option. We get up, we, it's not on our calendar. It's not like we, we don't go to church every Sunday. So we kind of wake up and willfully choose whether or not we're going to worship Jesus that morning. Wow. That doesn't sound like my, my, my Sabbath is subject to him. I don't, I don't know that it's, I think when I get here, how I respond, there's, there's, there's got to be that, that, hey, 
you're in charge, you're Lord, I'm yours. That's not to say some people, like, we've got people that work shift work, and things like that. We've got days that we need rest. I get it. Just saying Jesus went to church. It was his ethos. It's who he was. It's part of his identity. It needs to be part of ours, okay? So make your Sabbath subject to Jesus. Number two, um, make your Sabbath a day of mercy. Make your Sabbath a day of mercy, okay? So let's start with the weary. Um, you've got to rest. It's got to be a day that you receive mercy. So first and foremost, receive mercy on the Sabbath. Some of you are like me, I stink at rest. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the worst rester ever. I'm, it's having impacts on my life. It's not good. I, I, I find that I'm, I'm just wound up all the time. I can't get rid of the tension. I don't know what's going on. And, and, and God's calling me into rest. He's like, dude, you have to listen to me and receive my mercy. If you don't calm down, it's going to be disastrous. Like, like, and the same is true for you. This is our day of restoration, Okay, and maybe my day's on Saturday because Sunday's a work day for me and we work Sunday through Thursday, but whatever. There's got to be a day of restoration. There's got to be a day of healing. There's, there's got to be a day where we relax and enjoy the gift of God. There's got to be a day. But it's not just a day we receive mercy. It's also got to be a day that we give mercy. So let's go back to the question that has nothing to do with our text this morning. Can I go out to eat after this? Yes, you can. Be honest with you, the people that are working are probably going to be working whether you show up or not. And we could go back to the blue laws in Texas. Remember the days that you couldn't go to the grocery store on Sunday? That's awesome because now your family's hungry and I guess we're out walking the fields, grabbing some stuff and rubbing them in our hands, trying to feed people. I don't know that that's exactly the, the heart of the law. I think then we're worried about periods and commas and we miss the story itself. But here's the point. What, whatever you do, show mercy. Show mercy. Right? So if you go out to eat today, be merciful to your servant. I'm going to be honest with you. Your tip should have nothing to do with the service that they provide. Your tip should be an example of your service in his kingdom. That should be your tip. What? Well, I had to wait for a table. It's a new restaurant. Deal with it, right? All right but, 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 but my waitress, I, I asked for a fork like 20 million times and I had to eat rice with a spoon. Let me tell you, I, I waited tables. That's how I got through college. I wasn't a Christian. Can I be honest? We fought over trying to get out of Sundays. Christians, they were the most demanding. They were the least generous. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. We, 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 we as people at the, at the time that, that, that were agnostic or whatever the heck we are, didn't really believe in God, we would pray for atheists that drank a lot to come in. Like, put me in, in the section next to the bar with all the smokers, and, and they're going to tip me, by golly. I don't want those people that are all dressed up that just walked out of church because they're going to be rude, they're going to be stingy, they're going to be cheap, and I make $2.17 an hour. That's not what the Sabbath is about, folks. It's not about your budget. It's about being merciful. It's not about your service it's about being merciful, right? So we're going to have to find some ways to do that. And again, that includes high, strong, two wound up people. My kids are here and they're like, Dad, you said we had to clean our room. Well, it's your Sabbath. Maybe I have to overlook it till Monday. Maybe I, 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 I just, I, I can't continue on the path I'm on. I cannot do it and honor God. The Sabbath is meant for mercy, that we would receive it and some of you need to do that this morning, but that also we would give it. And some of you need to do that this morning as well. And lastly, I would just say to you, um, 
It's, and it's part of who we are. It's part of our DNA as a church now. But, but here it is, do something. To know the good that you ought to do and not do it is sin. It's sin. Okay? Do something. You can do something to make a difference in somebody's life every single day. But you should especially do something to make a difference in somebody's life on the day that we set aside and say, God, this day is for you. The way that I live today is for you. This day should be the example of the rest of my days of the week. This day. Do something to make a difference today. Okay? Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for bringing us here. We love you and we praise you. We ask that over the next few minutes, you just help us to focus in and think about our own lives. Think about your will for our own lives. How you would have us respond to this word, to your word, God. You are, uh, Jesus, you are Lord over this. You are Lord over us. You are Lord over us. Would you be pleased in how we leave here? Hopefully changed because of who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh,